Brahmagyanatimirandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Vidhamdena Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha. So this is a an ancient prayer. When a person who has come to realize his or her inadequacies and is searching for the uh, truth in life, then offers this prayer that I'm in ignorance and I'm offering my gratitude to my teacher or teachers who have opened my eyes to the true path in life. It is a great benefit to have this foundation to know how to align oneself with uh, those who have perfect knowledge. As Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is the most recent incarnation of Krishna, appeared 500 years ago, who came to show the path of devotional service by example, said after he met his spiritual master that I'm, I'm a fool and that I am fully dependent on my spiritual master. A spiritual master is a person and also a principle. And the principle of the spiritual master, which is enacted by a person, is that we're dependent on God for everything. For instance, Krishna's feeding us. He's feeding all living entities. He's also giving us intelligence. And individually, I don't have the capacity to figure out with my small brain how the world works and how to align myself with the world in a perfect way. So I have to go to the source of all knowledge. And we accept that there is a perfect being who's created everything and who also has full capacity for giving knowledge. And may be infinitesimal and therefore helpless, but that's an asset in one way because the infinite can condescend to offer knowledge to me if I'm in the right attitude. And that's what this prayer aligns uh, the, the supplicant with, and that is the attitude of I'm helpless, I was born into darkness and ignorance, and therefore I'm open to knowledge. There are two terminologies in Japanese Buddhism that describe an ascending and descending process. Similarly, we find in Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings that he described how there's an ascending process to gain knowledge through research, using my own senses, empiric, empiricism. And then there's the perfect path, which is to accept descending knowledge coming from perfect source. If there is no perfect source, there's no need to search for anything anyway. So, this is the process of bhakti, to admit one's frailties. One might say, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, I'm a fool and a rascal. Have you ever said that? And just try it. <laughs> tell the person next to you. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm a fool and a rascal. <laughs> See, it feels good, right? <laughs> it doesn't get us off the hook, but it does align us 
It doesn't mean that we have to stay fool and rascal, but it means that if I admit my inadequacies and submit myself to perfect source, then I can imbibe all of the necessary wisdom to be perfect. And so a spiritual master is not someone who claims to be perfect, but claims to be fully dependent on the perfect source of all knowledge and to restrict him or herself to representing that knowledge, not inventing something new. Then one becomes a channel. So in the, in the prayer, we are not only admitting that there's a perfect source, but then there's a representative of that perfect source, someone who's aligned him or herself in, with conscious intent of following that perfect source. For instance, there's the Bhagavad Gita. It's an open secret. Krishna says in the Gita, Raja Vidya Raja Guyam, it's, a, it's the king of all knowledge, but it's also secret. But how can that be? Because we just distributed about 20,000 Bhagavad Gita's downtown at Market and Powell. How could that be such a big secret? But to speak of how many Gitas did we do all together this year, approximately? Unless you don't want to let the cat out of the bag. Anyway, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, actually. And in the world, more than 2.2 million, which was our goal. So how can it be a, a secret because a person hears what he or she wants to hear? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You can lead a man to wisdom, but you can't make him think. And therefore, it's a great relief to admit I'm a fool and a rascal. And then open oneself to the perfect message of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is the source of all knowledge. And then one can also help others. There's no question of helping other people unless one is connected to a perfect source of knowledge, because I'll inevitably do something which will cause others to suffer, because I don't know what I'm doing. So this is the intent of the person who's offering this prayer, admitting his or her dependence on the Supreme and expressing gratitude for having received spiritual knowledge through the channel of disciplic succession. So in the practice of Krishna consciousness, it's important to uh, make advancement because it's easy enough to be dissuaded from making progress by the natural innervating, enervating forces of nature. Enervating forces mean those which diminish our energy and pulls away from our steady progress. So it, it's important to have a way to measure how we're advancing on the spiritual path. Someone might think that sounds counterintuitive, because sometimes people think spiritual life means that it should be airy-fairy or willy-nilly. That is, do whatever you feel like in a sentimental way because spiritual life shouldn't be regulated. But that's not what Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita. He says, Raga dvesha vimuktaistu vishayan indriyaisharan atma vasharavate atma prasadam arigachati. Prasada means uh, to receive uh, favor, uh, grace. 
prasiditi actually means the, the act of receiving grace, and prasad means grace. And Krishna says, in the verse I just quoted, that if somebody is strict about following the rules and regulations of bhakti, then one can expect to make progress. And part of that progress will be noticed by the person because he or she will receive grace. And that grace is described in the Srimad Bhagavatam. Tada rajas tamobhava kamalobhadayashjaye cheta eter anavidam stitam sattve prasidati. That's a person who's making progress in spiritual life will be able to see directly that he or she is not being dictated to by, especially, the rajagun, which means by lust, lust and anger. The one's pushed by lust to do things that are ill-advised. Have, can you think of a movie, a play, or a song about somebody who was influenced by lust to, to do something that was ill-advised? Has anyone ever written a song, a poem, a prayer, a play, or a movie script about a person who did something ill-advisedly because of lust? Three people say yes. You're just not sure which movie? How about all of them? <laughs> all of the above. Or out of anger? Have Have you ever had a case of somebody, have you ever noticed it in yourself? Wish you could have took, taken it back. So Krishna says here that there's a way that we get pushed around by the influence of Rajagun and Tamagun, which are modalities that rule the world and they're actually divinely inspired. As Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, unless you're, you're divinely situated, you can't get out of these forces or you can't avoid being pushed around by them. So the greatest miracle one can experience in one's life is to see for oneself that I'm not being pushed or dictated to, or maybe the dictation's coming, but I'm not following it. I've found a gap, a way to adhere to a, a higher dictation. And because of that, I don't have time to entertain the ill-advised influence of or dictation of the the lower modes so the bhagavatam says there is a point at which i'll experience this because it says tada at that time tada rajas tamo bhava kama lobhadeya that one's consciousness begins to clear cheta iter anavidham Stitam sattve prasiditi means a person will feel oneself situated in such a way that the consciousness is clear. It's not, we're not being influenced by the pushings of lust and anger. And so that, that's important to see for oneself. And that's possible by... The, following the regulative principles of freedom, as Krishna calls them. And the main regulations that one has to follow in order to attain this state of grace is, actually, there are only two main rules. The first one is to always remember Krishna. And the second one is to never forget Krishna. So you give both sides, you cover it, both sides of the coin. And this is important to emblazon in one's 
mind because oftentimes we read about many different rules and regulations and they may seem to be inordinate or too numerous to, to consider in today's busy world. So the Shastra very kindly says, think of it in this way. If you do this one thing or these two things, which are actually the same, that is to always remember Krishna and never forget Krishna, then you'll be fulfilling the purpose of all the different rules and regulations. And so one may then make a goal to do this. And as we're arranging our lives in such a way to remember Krishna and to not forget him, we may coincidentally have to give up some things that were distractions and then start investing our time in other ways that help us directly connect with Krishna. And those are the, that's the, the most important realm in which to make goals around these principles. And if you'd like to make it time-bound, which is important, isn't it? Say yes. yes. Yeah, everybody knows that. They have to be smart goals. Last part is it's time-bound. Time-bound, we have a good context for this from the Srimad Bhagavatam with Parikshit Maharaj, who had seven days to live. And when, you, when one finds out that one either A, has a certain number of days to live, or B, that one is actually mortal, this tends to be an impetus for achieving goals because one realizes that contrary to what my mind tells me, I'm not gonna live forever in this body, nor will I be able to sustain whatever equilibrium I have financially or familiarly. I almost pulled it off. <laughs> or in any other way, because the, the world's always churning and moving and it's unpredictable. Well, it is predictable that it won't stay the same. So around the principle that I only have a little bit of, a little amount of time, a small amount of time, a limited amount of time, and that my ultimate goal is written in the Srimad Bhagavatam, ante narayana smriti, that keep the end in mind. This is something Stephen Covey said. Start with the end in mind. Didn't he say that? Yes, he did. Start with the end in mind. Start with the end in mind. And the Srimad Bhagavatam, in the Srimad Bhagavatam, we find keeping the end in mind means remembering you're going to leave your body. Is that a, is that a um, disturbing subject matter? <laughs> Family show, shouldn't bring it up. <laughs> and uh, as I may have mentioned before, and if it becomes hackneyed, forgive me, but in the beginning of the pandemic, which seems to have been quite some time ago, apparently, I thought about writing down my priorities and ended up putting at the top of the list, writing in the present tense, as it's helpful to do when writing goals, is that I'm prepared uh, to leave my body. And that particular proclamation or priority help to adjust the other ones because that's really starting with the end in mind. And it's aligned with the Srimad Bhagavatam as well and the purpose of Shukadeva Goswami speaking to Prikshit Maharaj. The opportunity was there because the king really did have a time-bound goal, seven days, right? So we may not have seven days, but we can realize our own mortality and not do what I've heard rabbits do. I've never actually seen it, but if they're being chased by a coyote, then 
sometimes they'll put their head in a hole. I heard ostriches do that too. They put their head in the sand. Any zoologists? No zoologists? Anybody watch Nature Channel? So, not shying away from reality, which is that I'm just passing through and I have a short amount of time. And then counting backwards from whenever that might be and seeing what's the best use of my time? Where can I invest my attention right now? And also, not getting overwhelmed by thinking that if I can't do everything, that I shouldn't do anything. This is one of the pitfalls of setting goals for oneself and making progress as thinking that um, I really aren't as good as others. And I'm so, I've, I've fallen behind so far that really it doesn't matter what I do. So Krishna gives a lot of encouragement in the Bhagavad Gita by saying, that no, no, it counts. Whatever you do counts. And there are stories about this, uh, how much it counts if you do the right things. For, when, for instance, one story is about a Jamil. And a Jamil started off very dutifully in life by following various kinds of brahminical practices, spiritual practices, purifying himself uh, uh, body and mind every day, chanting mantras and so forth, but then he fell away from his practices. Became He was derailed in his practice. However, because he had had somewhat of a start and he had named his son youngest son. I think he had more than a few children and he was elderly still because there were remnants of his earlier practices and he named one of his sons Narayan just by one time calling for his son in a state of helplessness. He was perfected. And so the Bhagavatam points out that it doesn't take that much. It's the quality, not the quantity. Also, Narada Muni says that, so what if you get prematurely excited about practicing spiritual life and you really go for it, but then it turns out that you maybe bit off more than you can chew and then you have to retreat slightly. He says, okay, at least you went for it. Compare that to somebody who played it safe their whole life and didn't try to make spiritual advancement, but they tried to uh, stay steadily employed in material success, so-called. There's no comparison because the whole purpose of the human existence is to make spiritual advancement. So what did you get if you did everything perfectly in your material duties, but you didn't go for it in spiritual life? So Narada Muni says, so you go for it. You try. Try anyway. And even if you're not very good at it, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, apichet sudracharo bhajate mamanandyabhak sadhura eva samantavya samyagvyavasitohisa. You have to consider this person good because he or she is trying. So what if they're really bad at it, really bad at it? You still consider them good because they're trying. So we can also consider that for ourselves. That, yes, I should try. And the most important endeavors to make, to measure, are those which count how we're staying steady in our basic practices of spiritual life. Basics are good because you always win with basics in any practice. And so at this time of year, 
it's very helpful to regroup in one's mind and say, what's most important to me? In fact, if you have some kind of a dispute with somebody and you're feeling discouraged, has, has that ever happened to anybody? Have you ever had a dispute, anybody? Yeah. And then, have you ever felt a little discouraged? You can always rally. And you can make a comeback by remembering what's my purpose. Why am I doing this in the first place? One of the problems is that I forget why I'm doing what I'm doing. This happens in many places. One of the places that it happens is in debate. When people debate, according to the rhetorician who wrote a book about debate, is that people, while they're arguing, forget why they're arguing. And they veer off into various uh, points of dispute, and they continue their argument, but it's gone far afield from what they were intending to argue about in the first place. And this can be a, a metaphor for almost everything that we do in our lives. I can become fully absorbed in just about any cause, and then if I'm asked, well, why are you doing it, I might not have a really good answer. And there, is, there are no really good answers except for, I'm doing this to prepare for the end of life. And that's why it's good to start with the end in mind. So the basic practices of Krishna consciousness have to do with remembering Krishna. And there are some primary ways in which one can uh, remember Krishna that are extremely important and around which one can make one's yearly goals, spiritual goals. So the first one is the chanting of the Maha Mantra. The Maha Mantra is a spiritual sound vibration. It comes from Goloka Vrindavan, which is the highest planet in the spiritual world. Golokera Premadhana Harinama Sankirtana. And one who doesn't do anything else, doesn't get anything else right in life, but gets this one thing right, which is that he or she stays dedicated to repeating the name of God with devotion and trying to avoid offenses. If a person gets that one thing right, but does everything else wrong, still okay. So that's a good sign of a basic principle to follow. And this is mentioned in many places so that we all feel that we're on the right path. The teachings of Srimad Bhagavatam give this metaphor that the material world is like an ocean of faults. So if you've ever felt like you can't get anything right, join the club. Because <laughs> it's impossible to get everything right or anything right practically in the material world because it's an ocean of faults. Do you feel better now? Yes. I know I do. <laughs> However, there's one great quality in this age, and that is if you adhere to this one principle of faithfully, attentively chanting the names of God every day, without fail, then you'll attain the ultimate perfection of life. Not only that, you'll be counted as the most, among the most exalted living entities. In fact, even if you accidentally say Hare Krishna, just try to accidentally say it. Hare Krishna. Sri Shrapanishad says, and then Tanama Rupa, no, it says, um, what is the only verse? Number five? Yeah, ne Nectar of Instruction, text number five. Krishnaiti yasya giritam manasid. So if somebody accidentally says, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 
then this is Shastra speaking. Shastra means the infallible word of the Supreme coming, channeling down through representatives. In this case, Rupa Goswami says, Krishneti yasya giritam manasadireta. If you just, if, if you hear somebody say Hare Krishna, then in your mind, you're duty bound to think that person, that's a good person. They're exalted. Then verse goes on to say, what to speak of if that person has made it a principle in his or her life. This is what they do every day. They keep a notebook. You want to see a notebook? I'll show you Keshav Bharti Marge. Keeps it on his desk. It's written in pencil. It's a grid that has tens of thousands of days marked out from the time he started measuring, which I think was around the 70s, of writing down his daily wake-up time, what, how many rounds he chants, every little thing he does. It's all in a grid. It accordions out like this. Tiny, tiny little boxes. And you can look at it, and you can see a lifetime of someone who adhered to chanting Hare Krishna every single day. 64 rounds on Akadashi, at least 16 rounds every day. You get a decade. That's pretty good, right? About two decades. About three. Four. Five. Start counting up. You could actually have a successful lifetime. So... Going back and looking at one's primary practice of devotional service, that if you make a vow that I'll chant steadily every day and with attention, then you're in rarefied company. And Rupa Goswami says, for such people, you should go out of your way if you know they're in the other room, you should walk by the door and like get down, bow down to them because of what they're doing. You know, they're in the middle room, so you know they're in there, and you walk around, and you go, bow down. What'd you do that for? It's like, Rupa Goswami told me to. That's how, that's how important that vow is. And then he says, if you keep chanting like that, Watch out, because you might become a pure devotee. It's not true that, you know, there are only some pure devotees. Everyone else must languish in the material world forever. What's true is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, which is krame krame, step by step. If you chant Hare Krishna every day with a vow, then you'll become a pure devotee. And the signs are there. And that is that you'll, you'll lose your taste for for envy. It's not worth it anymore. You don't feel like envying others. And that propensity is gone. Then you're a free soul. Paramahamsa. And that comes from chanting Hare Krishna. So this is one of the vows to renew at the beginning of the year. And uh, the best investment one can make and chanting Hare Krishna. Then, it's also extremely important to get a taste for Vaishnav literature, especially Srimad Bhagavatam, Bhagavad Gita, Chaitanya Charamrita, and Nectar of Devotion. Fortunately, we have those books. And if you chalk out a certain amount of time every day to read from these books and hear from them, then you'll find that your consciousness, your intelligence is guided. It's like magic. If you sit with your family, let's say you have a child and your husband and wife, and you sit with your child and husband and wife together, and then you hear together Srimad Bhagavatam. Then everybody in the family in that triad will... will feel spiritually fortified by hearing. Even if the child's very young, like, say, still in the womb, then the child will still absorb the vibration and be greatly benefited. 
And let's say you have friends. Anybody? Okay, good. Um, and you get together with your friends, and you have options of what you can talk about. If you, as a spiritual leader, a spiritual teacher, because you're chanting Japa every day with great sincerity, and you've become a spiritual leader in that way, you orchestrate meetings with your friends so that when you get together, you hear Bhagavatam and you discuss it. That's a very powerful practice because then the whole group of friends is associating based on speaking Krishna Kata and discussing the process of spiritual realization, kuyam akyachi prichati, there can be questions and answers. And one who does this feels fortified because he has or she has support from uh, friends in his or her life and it's based on the spiritual practice. And one of the ways that you'll have an excuse to do this, because sometimes you need that, because it's not always easy to break into a group, or your group of friends might say, they would like to talk about what? Tango? How to do a tango? Yeah, some people like the tango, so they do a tango, and let's talk about tango competitions, uh, or maybe border collies. Border collies, very smart dogs. They can do tricks. You could talk about that. Uh, Shukadev Goswami says there are millions of things to talk about. But if you have a vow that every day you have to complete a certain amount of hearing from Srimad Bhagavatam, then you have a really good excuse every time you get in a car, you get in, into a conversation, you say, I really want to talk about tango or about border collie. In fact, I love border collies and I used to tango when I was a child. <laughs> but I have a vow to read at least 10 pages of Bhagavatam a day, would you indulge me? And just for a few minutes, could, I, could you help me complete my vow by just listening to me read out loud? So then that part of your life becomes transformed and you can use that ploy wherever you go. It works really well. It just take a couple minutes. I just need to read a couple more verses that's what Hari Das Thakur used when the constable sent a woman to try to break his vows because the constable was envious of this powerful spiritual personality. So he sent a woman there to try to seduce him in the middle of the night when he was finishing his japa. And Hari Das Thakur said, yeah, no problem, but hold on because I have to finish my vow if you just sit over there for a while and wait and said, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't finish. Come back tomorrow. He did it again the next day and the next day, and then she became a devotee. So this is why it's important at the beginning of the year, before border collie season starts, and before you have to, by force of social pressure, join a tango club, or a Groundhog Day is coming up. Punks, Tani Phil, and all the you know, fanfare that comes around for Groundhog Day. If you have your excuse already written down on your calendar before the other kinds of distractions come in, then you remain fortified in spiritual life. And there's no other way to do it because the distractions will come in multiples every single day. And until you have it on your calendar marked off, that you still have to finish your thing, and that's what you do, and everybody gets used to that, then you can't make spiritual advancement. Or it will be frustrating because you'll think, why can't I make spiritual advancement? And it because I didn't take a stand on the 2nd of January, 2022, 
when I had the opportunity. So the perennial vow of chanting Hare Krishna, a certain a number of rounds a day can be renewed regularly. And, that, and then especially making sure that you have a pledge for how many pages you'll read every day, or if you want to do it by time, you can do that also. You can say, at least I'll read for how many minutes a day? 40. Wow, you guys are fired up. 40 or 30? 42? 4? 5? One hour? Lucky thing, I can't hear anything through these masks. I can just make stuff up. Um, <laughs> really doesn't matter what it is, because if you make any kind of vow based on hearing from Srimad Bhagavatam, or you really get into, let's say you get into nectar devotion, say, oh, I haven't read that book that much. Let me read the whole thing. And let's, that's my goal for 2022. I'll read the whole thing. Then you can ask Sri Vatspandit Prabhu, how many pages are in the nectar devotion? He'll tell you. And then you say, I have 365 days. How many pages do I have to read every day? Nectar devotion to finish. And then that becomes your thing. And everybody knows it. You're driving to Tahoe. People are, what are we going to do on the way to Tahoe? Let's play some game. It's like, okay, in just a minute, but I got to finish my pages of Nectar devotion. And next thing you know, it's a spiritual atmosphere and everyone's like, eh, I'm not into games anymore. So... Those are two vows that you can make. And then once you get a taste for making those vows, having those basics down, then there's lots of ways you can start looking through your day and through, this, through the Vaishnava teachings and find out other little things that you can do that fill in various gaps that you have in your life. For instance, then the way you start your day, my friend, Saidev Prabhu said, whenever he gets up in the morning, he stands in front of a picture of Srila Prabhupada and says, thank you, thank you very much. And when I started doing that too, and actually I heard Giri Rajmaraj, he wrote something on his Facebook about how powerful saying Prabhupada's Pranam Mantra is. That's the first thing I like to say when I open my eyes in the morning, and I remember something my friend and senior godbrother, Guru Kripa, once told me. We used to travel around to holy places together. And as we were traveling, we'd go into various temples. And then we'd bow down in the temple room and we'd say uh, our spiritual master's pranam mantra. Nama Om Vishnu Bhadaya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale Srimate Bhaktivedanta Swami Niti Namani Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatya Deshatarine. And so one day we were still down on, our, on the ground and he looked over at me and goes, You know, we go to all these temples in front of all of these various deities and we always say our spiritual master's pranam mantra. Why do we do that? Like a pop quiz. <laughs> I said, I don't know, you're my senior godbrother, you tell me. And he said, it's because we're announcing to the deity, wherever we go, this is who I'm under. This is why I had the courage to walk in here, because I'm under the protection of this person. And so, if you wake up in the morning, and you start off with your spiritual master's pranam, and then you say, Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda, Shri Advaita Gadad, Hare Shivasari Gaur Bhaktivinoda, then Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Then, when you step out of bed, you can stand in front of a picture of your spiritual master, say, thank you very much, and express your gratitude. So that's one little gap that's really important. It's a transitional part of the day. So what if you added that in? And then there are myriad other ways that you can find throughout the day to just make little tweaks. And so as far as setting these goals go, it's important to get yourself a nice piece of paper 
and a pen. And then write them down. And you'll find that when you start writing down these goals, you don't have to adhere to every single one of them to start with. You can winnow out some of them. You can promote some of them to the top of your list. And you can come up with your finest list. That's nice about being a human, right? You can decide, this is, this is what I'm about. This is my purpose. These are my goals. And you can write those down, and then you can live by those and make those the priorities of your life. So it's important to take some time, especially around this period of the year, to think about exactly what you want to do, what you want to achieve this year, and then to write it down. So the simplest advice about setting goals is decide what you want and write it down. There's something about writing things down. It's such a complex process, actually, for humans to learn language, what to speak and be able to abstract it by writing it down, that it has great meaning. And don't take it for granted that we have pens and paper, because people didn't used to have all that stuff. So make it sacred, and take a little time to yourself and decide, what's on my priority list? Think about what's most important to you, and write it all down, and then reorder your list, and decide what goes at the very top of my list, what goes the next time, next one down. The other day, when we were near Akula, and I were on our break, I was carrying around my big pad of paper, just thinking whenever I get an inspiration, I want to do this. And I was thinking about I, I would like to be nicer. I wish I was nicer. And then a couple things came up, and it came into my mind. I already wrote it down to be a nicer person. So I had an opportunity. I... I could be obstinate or cranky or just unpleasant, or I could be nice. And then I thought, I wrote down nice, so that's going to be my goal, so I'm going to try to be nice. And in several instances, I actually succeeded. I tried to come close to it. And it was fresh in my mind because I just wrote it down. So this is one of the ways that we get to be self-determining is we can decide by hearing good instruction about what are divine qualities, as Krishna mentions in the Gita. What are some of the ways in which Krishna describes his devotees as being dear to him? For instance, he doesn't become his or her en an enemy of his enemy someone's inimical towards me, but the Krishna says, don't become that person's enemy back. Or not being dependent on the ordinary course of activities. So why not select some of those? Or some of the divine qualities that Krishna mentions in the 16th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita and say, I'd like to be more aligned with these. So that's our choice. So I'd like to hear any of your um, thoughts so far about the points that I've mentioned and see if you have any, any reflections or questions. And if not, then I'm going to have to escalate drastically. Okay, go ahead. So I was just um, thinking, I mean, just recently we were just talking last week with Shamarupa Prabhu and myself, we were discussing about advertising BSP. And as a part of that, we were uh, talking about our New Year resolutions. It just so happened that like from your last year thing, we both wrote one important thing and we just realized, um, you know, as you said, waking hours, how many are there, how many, uh, how, what is the most important priority? So it just so happened that we were actually exactly the same age. So we both wrote down in our books that we have literally waking hours 10 years. <laughs> Maybe we'll live for 30, but then, <laughs> um, you know, with everything else gone, sleeping and doing things, uh, you know, work and things like that. So, so... Uh, it, it just came into my mind that how much um, what you told last year, it, it, it 
was so strikingly present in both our goals. And just wanted to thank you that every year you do this, it's so helpful. The second point I was going to say is, as you said, Bhagavatam and, you know, with a tango and all those things. I, I learned that a lot from Malini whenever we go out on book distribution. Um, she's always carrying her book with her. Um, and then even if you're driving out somewhere, we're going together. It's always constantly reading. So she'll ask me, if you're going to drive, I'm going to drive. So who's going to read? So I was just thinking that um, I'm very fortunate, even though I don't have that greed to read Bhagavatam. But uh, I just felt that, as you said, that um, thank God I don't have any tango friends. <laughs> Way to go, Malini. See, what I said that makes an influence on everybody. I like that phrase, greed to read. That's a good one. Somebody write it down. Greed to read. Yes. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. So nice to see you. Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy um, New Year. I, when you started the class today, you were talking that, you know, how fortunate we are that we have the human body and we should make the best use of it. And at that time, I was realizing that uh, today I was hearing to a lecture and in which they were saying that uh, to the degree in to which you are um, utilizing your free will, your independence, to that degree you get that much more independence. Uh, in the sense that you utilize your independence for spiritual advancement, then you get more and more independence. If you don't do that, then you do not get that. And the analogy was given like, you know, the evolution where, you know, as a human life, we have independence to use for spiritual advancement, whereas for lower species, we don't have that. And I was connecting those two things when you said that it's we are so fortunate that we have this um, intelligence to use in spiritual advancement and... Um, I wanted to just share that so that we all can utilize that independence in the right way rather than the wrong way. These are very important principles. And uh, before I call on Hans Priya, I'd just like to say that it, it can make it sound easier than it is because speaking about it and confronting lust, anger, greed, and so forth, envy is a is a, a daunting task for a little soul in this world who's accustomed to swimming with the currents that push him along into the various reversals in life. And so I just want to revisit for a second how important it is to take heart from the way Krishna encourages us. And that is that material nature is insurmountable. I quoted Daivahiyeshu Gunamayi, Mama Maya Duratiya. It's very difficult to overcome. So don't feel too bad. Doesn't mean that we give into it at all, but also means. Don't feel so bad that it's an onerous task controlling the senses. Also, missteps on the path may not be detrimental. They may be the pillars to success. Prabhupada's words, not mine. Because if one has a misstep in devotional service, but then depends on Krishna to rectify him or herself, which is the recommendation given by Shastras. Sapada mulam bhajata priyasya taktanya bhavasya hare pariyeshaha vikarma yachchot patitam katanchid tunoti sarvam hriti sandivishtaha. Hriti sandivishta means Krishna is there with you in your heart, and he knows what your sincerity level is. And even if it's on the low end of the detection scale of the spectrum, low end of the spectrum. Barely detectable, that's enough. That'll keep you in the game. Just remember to find it. So the verse says that if you happen to have a misstep, and unless you're Shukadeva Goswami, and you are ready before you popped out of the womb <laughs> to take off running into the forest, there's going to be some kind of trouble. So therefore... Krishna says, don't despair, but go on with the process of devotional service no matter what. 
stay in the saddle and own it, whatever it is, but keep going. And because of that, Krishna will rectify the situation. He's the only one that can. So it's really important to know that it's overcoming this the senses of something yogis try for tens of thousands of years and fail, according to the verse that Pada Padma Pankaja Pilasya Bhakta Karmashrayam Gratitam Ukratayanti Sanda Tadvanna Rikta Matayo Yatayopis Rudha Shrotoganas Tamaranam Bhajavasadeva. Unless one has this mood of continually taking shelter of Krishna, saying it's it's not me, but it's you. You're situated in my heart. It's only my sincerity and by your power that I'm able to overcome these obstacles. We can't, we can't do it on our own. Great yogis sometimes meditate. We have scriptural evidence for 10,000 years. And then they get totally thrown off the track. So don't feel discouraged, Krishna says, at any time. Because if you just keep doing devotional service, at your level, whatever you can handle, sway sway karma at pirata, sway sway karma, sway sway ya nishta, sway sway adhikarya nishta saguna parikirtina. It's a guna, it's a good quality if you're sincere and you try to act at your level of advancement right here and now, whatever you can do, because from there you'll make more advancement and you'll come to the perfect stage. Oh, Hansapriya. No, no, no. Don't say that. Hi, Krishna. Actually, it's one of my favorite day because every year, after a long year of getting beaten up, you know, <laughs> we we restart. And this encouragement is so much important uh, to gear up again. It's like, you know, the space shuttle goes off and you need that support system. And this is the day that uh, I come here personally to get that, uh, you know, force to go on and remind myself when I'm bowing down to Krishna that it is, it is, I'm Prabhupada's dog, you know, I'm here to serve him. I belong to Prabhupada. So what is Prabhupada wants? What is the my guru wants, what my shiksha guru wants, what's my purpose, what's my goal, what I have. I forget throughout the day, and today's uh, lecture, uh, you know, is so much uh, needed to just start the year. And I, again, want to go back to the point that you mentioned that touched my heart that, uh, you know, we are under Srila Prabhupada, and what is, what is it that pleases him and what I should be doing. And that's the one you want us to begin the year with the end in mind, to keep that throughout the year and lift ourselves up with that. So thank you so much. Thank you, Hansapriya. Hare Krishna. Okay. We have somebody online, Sri Vaspandit Prabhu is pointing out to me. Dr. Roman. Roman, please go ahead. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. It's really nice to see you. I think we all it was eager to see you. And uh, it's actually, uh, uh, I like the uh, pointed out that when you mentioned force of uh, social pressure. So every year on the 31st of uh, December, I'm hectically texting all my friends, uh, greeting them with New Year. And now, like, is it my first year in Vaishnava family? I start to text my Vaishnava friends and I don't have any feedbacks. And I'm wondering, why is nobody answering, you know? And then what's going on? I want to show my gratitude to everybody. Then I found that uh, Srila Prabhupada letter about New Year. That's, it's it's typical day in our life. It should be every day as a New Year. And then as you recommended, I start to search the uh, guru answer on it. And in one of your lectures, I found that change the subject, change the fortune. And I said, well, now probably I have to change the subject and concentrate more on my sadhana. And I start to get deep into the lectures and make some notes. And um, my uh, fortune is definitely changing. So now I know what I have to do in the new year. And that I agree with Mataji that uh, that uh, lecture is really important for us. So we know what really goals we have to set up for the new year. And I have a lot of them. And now I am keep writing what I have to done, and I'm, you know, it's so change the subject, change the fortune would be the uh, one of the goals uh, 
to this new year for me. Thank you, Maharaj. Thank you, Dr. Roman. Hare Krishna. And let me be one of the first to wish you a happy new year. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, just one or two more reflections. So, do you have a pad of paper, anybody? Do you have it in your mind where it is? Yeah. Don't limit yourself to a small pad. It's nice to get a really big one. You can get artist sketch pads. They're gigantic. I have a whole stack of them. Because then you don't feel restricted in what you want to write. And get a few pens. Okay. Hare Krishna. Prabhuji, you mentioned a very nice point in the beginning about uh, starting with the end, especially when we get discouraged. And it's, it's a sentence we hear very casually, but um, when you mentioned it, I realized that it has such a deep Krishna conscious meaning and such a higher uh, goal to remember. So thank you very much for sharing that. Yeah, because I, actually... It's always prevalent that we're hanging by thread, really. It's really true. And I can just say, in getting older and seeing friends just here today, gone tomorrow, it's like such and such is not well, and then next thing I know, such just just left his or her body. I mean, now it happens every week, and you know, it makes one who's aging realize also that, you know, on those rides you get on and as a kid, you think it'll go on forever and then it's over. So, you know, it has a beginning and an end. And in the, in the Varnashrama system, there's really a time to get serious. But Prahlad Maharaj says, don't wait. You can get serious at any time by having the end in mind doesn't mean you have to be neurotic. It just means that you be serious and steady uh, because you have that idea in your mind, which is actually sobering. And a person who has it in their mind is known to be sober or dira. And better practice now than get all freaked out at the end and kind of blow the whole thing. And that's really kind of an embarrassment. It's like, why didn't you start earlier? The warnings were there from the very beginning. It's like, oh, you didn't take it seriously. Well, that's whose fault is that? Human. Okay, uh, Girid Hari. Oh, yes. Go ahead, Prabhu. So um, the first question is from um, Angeline Madris. Hare Krishna, please accept my humble obeisances. I'm wondering what is the best thing to meditate on or improve before getting initiated? On and or while aspiring for a spiritual master. This was asked by Angeline. Yes. Well, uh, Krishna gives the general points in the in the in the Bhagavad Gita, Manmana Bhava Mad Bhakto. Try to become a, a devotee of Krishna, and in the teachings of the Navayogendras. Kavihavi Antariksha, or Prabhuda, says that Tasmad Gurum Prapadyeta Jignasu Shre Uttamam Shabde Paritanishnatam Brahman Upashamashrayam. To be devoted to Krishna means to devote oneself to a Vaishnav. And if you can be devoted to the Vaishnav who's devoted to Krishna by hearing from that person and feeling yourself helped by the sound vibration. And then appreciating that it's an otherworldly sound vibration because nothing else in this world can really help you permanently or to the degree that the vibration of hearing from somebody in Parampara can help you. And if you meditate on that, the help that you're getting and stay fixed in the vibration, that's the best way to prepare yourself because as you see that it's authentic, because of what it's doing for you, then you'll be more inspired for and ready to dedicate yourself in a vow to a spiritual master. Thank you for your important question, Angeline 
Madras, Madras, Hare Krishna. And now I have a new tune to introduce, but we only have a few minutes, so you only get to hear a few mantras. Uh, you played the drum. Pavana Sarova said, I have to not play the drum for a couple of weeks because my shoulder was sore. And that's why I'm not playing the drum. But my friend Divyunga told me that we should have more cowbell anyway. Thank you very much. Vanchakalpa Rusha, Kripa Sindhabe, Vachapa Titanam, Pavani Bio, Vaishnavi Bio, Namunamahan, Nantakoti Vaishnavi Nikijai.